It's the 22nd of May 2021. And in just four days, it will be come around to the occasion where we recollect the Buddha's birth, his attainment to the Dhamma, and his passing into Parinibbana, his final Nibbana. So the birth of a fully self-awakened Buddha is the most difficult kind of birth that there is, because in order for this to come about, it needs to develop all of the ten paramis, these ten spiritual qualities or virtues. So there's dana, generosity, sila, there's virtue, satcha, truthfulness, honesty, and metta, kindness, virya, effort, upeka, equanimity, and nekama, it's relinquishment, it's that's allowed him to go off and ordain, and panya, uh, wisdom. So there are ten types of barami, and the Buddha needed to develop these from their normal stage up until the very highest level, the level which, to which he was willing to sacrifice his life. And so there are many, many lives that the Buddha as a bodhisattva uh, cultivated these perfections. And in some of them he taught the Dhamma. And in one of these lives uh, there was a king who asked him what quality did he praise the highest. And he responded, Kanti, this patient endurance. So this king got one of his ministers uh, to catch the bodhisattva and to torture him. And did many things, peeled off his skin and cut different parts of his body, cut his arms, cut his legs. But throughout all of this, the Buddha still praised this quality of patient endurance of Kanti because he saw that it didn't reside in his flesh, it wasn't in his body, but it was there within his heart. So this king had him tortured until he died. And uh, this king was Devadatta in the previous life. But throughout all of that, uh, the Buddha still praised, his Bodhisattva still praised this quality of patient endurance. And so the endurance, the forbearance um, of a Buddha is extremely high because in order to develop these Bharamis, all ten of these spiritual perfections, it takes the highest level of forbearance to do that and it's really not something that's easy at all. Uh, to develop sila, for instance, and to look after the precepts, until he was willing to offer his life for these. And each of these ten Bharamis needed to be brought to a state of perfection, of fullness. And it took an extremely long time to do this, to bring them all to this state. And so it took uh, four um, asankayas, these incalculable lengths of time, and then a hundred thousand kalpas or eons, and that was just after he 
received the prediction from a previous Buddha that he would uh, attain to being a fully awakened Buddha himself. Uh, but before he received that prediction, it was ten asankayas, um, ten of these incalculable uh, periods of time. So it's an extremely long time. And if he didn't have this really firm determination, had his mind completely set on this, there's no way he would be able to succeed. But his mind was set and firm in this way to help all beings to be freed from suffering. And it's not easy at all. And so the most difficult kind of birth is that of a fully self-awakened Buddha, a Sama Sambuddha. We see that if there wasn't a Buddha, then there wouldn't be the Dhamma, and there wouldn't be the Sangha. We wouldn't know the way, the path that takes us out of delusion. So this avijja is delusion, or not knowing. So a, uh, the prefix a means to not, it's, it's a negation. And vijja is knowledge. So avijja is a lack of knowledge, it's not knowing. And so we could say that that's delusion, that's a lack of wisdom. And this vijja, that is wisdom. So what can we do then to destroy this delusion, to destroy all darkness? We see that if we have something that's unclean, a house is dirty or we have dirty clothes, then when we clean those things, that dirt will just disappear all by itself. So if we mop our house, if we sweep it, if we wipe it down, um, then that uncleanliness, it disappears. And it's the same that if there's a dark space, but we put something bright within it, um, then that brightness just appears all by itself, and the darkness disappears, it leaves by itself. So we need to find a way to give rise to this light, to bring light into our hearts, and there are methods that we can use um, to do this, to bring up this wisdom and clear knowledge, and the light of this clear knowledge. And so what do we do? How do we achieve that? We see that all the beings born into this world, they all have some kind of wisdom, but their wisdom is different. Some people have very refined wisdom, and for others it's quite coarse. We have wisdom in terms of uh, memorization, in terms of our studies, and the wisdom that we use to carry out our occupations, and this differs between us. And the degree in which we have, have that depends on what we have created in the past. It depends upon Nabarami, it depends on the causes that we've put in. We see that all people want to be wise. So this wisdom, it's an all-around thorough knowledge into the nature of sankharas in line with their truth. So sankharas are things which have causes and conditions, which proliferate them, which uh, compose them to bring them into being. So physicality, all material things, these have the four elements which comprise them. And then nama, 
or mental qualities, they also have their conditions which bring them into being. So both of these, both physicality and mentality, these are sankharas. And all of these sankharas, they need, by their nature, to decay. They need to deteriorate, and they need to finish, to disappear. But the mind that is devoid of knowledge will go and deludedly attach to all of these things, and it really clings, it really holds on. It takes all physicality and mentality as being me and mine. And then it goes and separates out, it differentiates between things, breaks things up into us and them. And why is that? It's because the delusion in our minds that creates this separation, that discriminates in this way. So if knowledge arises, then we'll see the truth, and we'll be able to understand that we are just composed of elements, and they are just composed of elements just the same, that there's really no being, no self, no other there. And here knowledge arises, wisdom arises. And this is how wisdom comes up for us, and it can come up in this way. And so when we're firmly um, intent on something, then we need to have wisdom around that as well. So if we have the sincerity to study and to gain knowledge, um, then we need to be firm in that. Because we see that if we don't have effort, then wisdom just can't arise. So we all know that attachment is what brings up suffering for us. This is what the Buddha already taught in the Four Noble Truths, that the reason we suffer is because of our attachments. And in Pucha, he put it as we suffer because of attachment, and that suffering is drawn out due to our desires. So if we want many things, then the cycle of sangsara, of birth and death, becomes very, very long. And the more that we want, the more we have to be born, the more we have to die. And this happens over and over again. And this is because of our attachments, because of craving, because of clinging. So we need to use our effort and set our minds um, to study and to seek out a path. And we also need to endure in walking on that path and training our minds. So we bring the mind into a state of collectedness and firmness, samadhi, and then we use that to give rise to wisdom. And so this wisdom is based upon a peaceful mind. And so how is it that wisdom can arise? Well, we have these objects of anicca, dukkha, anatta, of instability or change, of stress and satisfactoriness and of not-self. And this is how the deluded mind uh, becomes wise. So these minds which are deluded, that we really do have a me and we have possessions, um, it's deluded in things which don't actually possess these qualities. They're not actually like this way. They're not real in this way. But the mind thinks that they do actually exist. But in actuality, it's all empty. They're not there. All the people, all the beings, the animals, the entire world, the whole thing is empty. But the mind thinks 
that these things are actually there, that they're real. We are ignorant in this way. And this ignorance, it brings up a craving for self, for this existence of a self. And we want to have a me and the self, and we want to have others as well. We want to love, and we also want to hate. And when we're born, we get these different feelings like this, of love and hate and fear and anger. We get a feeling that we have a mother and a father, we have brothers and sisters. And we never once listen to anyone tell us that we don't have these things. All that we hear is that we do have a self. And then, ever since we're born, everything we do is for that self, in service of that self. We study in service of that self, we go to work in service of that self. And we don't know about the teachings of the fully awakened Buddha. So when we come to hear these teachings, oftentimes we just get the impression that that they're trying to drag us away from the pleasures that we find in this world, the amusements that we have, just wanting to follow our hearts, wanting the things that uh, bring us delight. Because the mind it finds happiness here, finds happiness in the things that it gets amused by and distracted in. But these amusements are a bait. They're a bait which bring the mind to attach and to become deluded. Just like how uh, a child may be addicted to playing computer games and their mother tells them to stop. And in some cases, they may jump off a building and kill themselves. And that's what things are like these days. Because people can be so strongly attached to the things that they find pleasure in, to the ways in which they're lost in the world. But these things, they're a bait for us. They're a bait which gets us hooked into birth and death in the cycle of samsara. But we need to see that these things are impermanent, they're not stable. We need to use our wisdom in this way and to see that None of these things last forever. No matter how much we like it, it's just temporary. All the feelings of happiness, the feelings of sadness that we experience, none of these stay. So what is it that we can truly take as being ours? So when knowledge arises, then delusion disappears and brightness fills up the mind. The mind which was previously dark uh, because it was covered over with the kilesas, when it gains understanding, then it becomes bright and clear, and the mind becomes radiant, it becomes crystal clear. And so wisdom arises, knowledge arises, into the nature of Sankara's conditioned phenomena in line with their truth. So the objects which give rise to this knowledge and this wisdom are these very objects of anicca, dukkha, anatta, of instability, stress, and not self. So even if we can just cultivate samadhi to a small degree, we can still use that to bring up wisdom, to contemplate, and that's all right. 
And we see that we just need to follow this path, this way which will take us to meeting the inner Buddha, our inner Buddha, this nature of awakening. We see that craving and clinging to the things which we get lost in and amused by, that we find delight in, these cause suffering for us. And so we need to try to practice And even though we may just have a small amount of time left over for the practice, we still need to use that well to really train our minds and do this every single day. If the mind's very scattered, then chant a lot and really apply yourself so that the mind does come into a state of peace. And sometimes just using the words Buddha, Dhamma and Sangha, it's not enough. These don't stick and the mind just carries on thinking. So we need to increase that then. We need to chant the whole thing, go through the whole chant, Abhitipiso, Bhagavad, Arahang, Sama, Sambhutto, right until the end. And we can chant the praises to the Buddha, the Dhamma, and the Sangha. And we can also take up one of these virtues, the great qualities of the Buddha, the Dhamma, or the Sangha, to reflect upon. So just like in the praises to the Buddha, uh, we chant... Uh, which is that the Buddha was the teacher of all humans and devas. So we see that there are teachers in this world who uh, teach various academic subjects. Um, and even though they bring us benefit, they're not able to free us from suffering. And these teachers, they've got very good intentions in teaching that um, and helping others. But it was the Buddha who had a pure mind and who taught others to reach that inner purity themselves. To carry on practicing until they became savakas, uh, they became the awakened disciples of the Buddha, and they could reach that purity that the Buddha himself had experienced. And this is something that's really amazing. And so recollecting the virtues of the Buddha brings immense benefit. It helps the mind to become peaceful. It brings up joy inside the heart. And so we should, or then we can take that uh, peaceful heart to contemplate. So if we don't stop, if we just carry on, then in the end the mind will need to settle down, become peaceful, and then turn empty to see into the nature of emptiness, to see through conventions and realize liberation realize that there really isn't a self. And we don't, before this, we we hadn't seen things in this way. Maybe in the beginning we train to sit in meditation to develop samadhi, and joy arises through that. And we listen to a Dharma talk, and we feel great inner happiness. And on any day in which we don't sit in meditation, then we feel like there's something uh, lacking from our lives. So this samadhi, it really does help us. It can bring the mind to stillness, to peace. And when the mind enters into this still place and can abide there for a long time, then it gains great energy from that. And then we can use that inner power to contemplate and to anicca, dukkha, anatta. And the mind gains radiance here. And you can separate out both the body from the mind. It's really important to be able to do this. And so we should train, cultivate our minds in this way. 
And I encourage all of you to do that, to go and practicing until you bring up wisdom. And in the end, you'll be able to see the Dhamma. A joy arises, happiness arises, and it can stay for three days and three nights. It's really amazing, perceiving, arising and ceasing throughout this time. And these states, they really do exist. They are real. And the Dhamma is something that's profound and amazing. And so may all of you practice in this way. And for the laity who support the monks through offering the requisites, allowing the monks to carry on in this way of life, I give my anamodana. You offer places for the monks to practice. You can offer the land for a monastery, um, provide funds for the building of a Dharma hall or jedi, or work to spread the Buddha-sasana, to spread the teachings of the Buddha. And uh, this brings great uh, benefit uh, because it allows people to gain understanding into the Dhamma, to get to know the Dhamma. We see that out of all the forms of generosity, that of sharing the Dhamma is the highest. Because it's the Dhamma which is able to make the mind bright. You say that if we give someone food, then in no long time that will be over, it will be finished. Uh, but the Dhamma it can go really deep into people's hearts and make them pure. And so for those of us who work spreading the Dhamma, it brings immense benefit. By the virtue of these good actions and the good results that they bring, uh, may all of you gain an understanding into the Dhamma and may you reach the Dhamma of the Buddha. And so that wisdom comes up, so that brightness arises within your hearts. And in the end, then you will come to see and understand this Dhamma for yourself. And so may you be intent in this way every single day.